Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to episode 114 of the Midnight Film Review. Coming to you live recorded from the... <laughs> I don't know, what's, what studios would we be? What would we be uh, <laughs> What's the name of Sorry, our studio? Uh, the, what is the name of the studio? Um, <laughs> the BS Hole. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm choking over here. The BS Hole. Brett, yeah. BS Hole you're, Studios. You're choking on your own BS. My name's Colin Smith. With me as always, my beautiful co-host. Brian Stevens. And we have an interesting episode for you today. <laughs> we, uh, you know, per, per usual, we, we lied about something. We'll, we'll get there in a second. We're going to start off by talking about <laughs> talking about some dumb shit that Quentin Tarantino said. Why? I don't know. Because <sighs> because he has no filter and has lost touch with reality like so many other people in Hollywood. Uh, we have some emails from uh, some regular contributors. And I think that's going to do it for open discussion. We're, we're going to, uh, to bypass... Media hot takes. That that was it. For Had to guys. get in there for the fans. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all you, um, all for you. We're gonna bypass media hot takes this week, and that is my fault. You can blame me. Uh, should be coming back at you next week. Maybe I'll throw in something, a review Ooh. to to make up for the fact that it's I keep titular. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> that I keep shortchanging everybody. <laughs> And also forcing Brian not to do it. Uh, but maybe not, you know, because I like to overpromise and underdeliver. Sort of my thing. <laughs> That's sort of our thing. What do you mean? It's not just yours. And we're going to uh, finish up today's episode with a review of Cloverfield the God Particle. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's for real. Well, kind of. In our in our universe, it's called Cloverfield the God Particle. <laughs> Boom! Meta humor. <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> we're on we're on fire. Check out Colin's stand up. Yeah. Uh <laughs> coming to a funny bone near you. I know we said we would we would have a review of the hostile hostels, the hostiles. The hostile that's a different movie. The, the host host los hostiles. <laughs> uh but unfortunately I have been just uh I was out of town this weekend. I think I forgot about that until like Yeah. Yeah, probably right before it happened and my girlfriend was like are you ready to go to this place and i was like oh yeah totally i knew we were doing that uh but i i think it slipped my mind when we were kind of when we were lying to you uh at the end of the last episode i really did want to see hostels uh but instead i stayed home and saw got caught up in the hype no Got caught up in the hype train, Colin. Just admit I, it. I didn't. I did. I was really excited when I saw the trailer. Were you? I'm watching the Super Bowl and I saw the trailer and I was like, whoa, a Cloverfield movie? And then on Netflix and then after the game was over, there was another trailer and it said, you can watch it now. And I was like, well, I'm calling off tomorrow, going straight home and watching it. And that's exactly what I did. Hashtag no regrets. No regrets? No regrets. Did you watch it twice? Was it different the second time? Definitely is did that I, how good it is? I definitely did. I, I, I barely could finish the movie, to be honest with you. Well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, my friend. I was just so like worn out because it was so intense. It, it, yeah, it's it's, a, it's an emotional journey. It's a roller coaster. It will leave you 
drained of all your um, bodily fluids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about let's talk about this. I guess. <laughs> I know. I I I'm sick of this too, Colin. But I really want to get on the soapbox because. Okay. Well, are, okay. So yeah, go ahead. Go well, ahead. Why, don't, why don't you go ahead and give them context for for what happened? In case yeah, you they... you give context. All right. Okay. So in an interview with uh, Robin Quivers, <clears throat> excuse me, Quentin Tarantino, uh, and this is from a few years ago, right? The and the only qualifier I can give is that this is from two thousand three. Yeah. Not that this was any more acceptable to say or think or believe in 2003 but maybe quentin tarantino is not such an idiot i don't i don't fucking know well let me i also want to be clear too in adding that is this was the hollywood line at that time um i'm going to read another uh piece that was that has addressed this issue um, that that talks about many different people in Hollywood who thought along these same lines, but haven't been eviscerated by the media the way that Tarantino is right now. So a lot of this started because Uma Thurman finally spoke out about what Harvey did to her, and um, people were kind of like, "Well, why didn't Quentin do anything to stop this? He knew about it." Kind of that kind of is what kind of brought all this stuff to the forefront. Um, but so Tarantino was on the the Stern show, and somehow. Somehow this got brought brought up. So those who don't know, Roman Polanski was um, accused of a lot of things, including uh, rape and sodomy of a 13-year-old girl. He pled guilty to the lesser charge of statutory rape, but then fled the country and uh, didn't serve time until uh, recently, I think mid two thousand. Oh, he's never... He's never actually served... No. The, okay. Well, I'll tell... The reason I'll, I'll bring yeah. it up later is because of something that I that was said later. But So I thought he had served some time. But, no. So he is not allowed to come into the U.S. because he has obviously skipped out on serving a sentence that he pled to. So needless to say, this is a very sticky situation. And most of the time, Hollywood has kind of looked past this and glorified Polanski... And some of the comments that he's made are th- that Tarantino made were like, uh, look, this isn't uh, I said, look, she was down with this. She talked about it since he didn't really do anything. It was it was a technicality for her being 13 years old. So this isn't a girl that was 15 or 16, 17 years old, sleeping with a 39 year old man. This was a 13 year old. Um, who was under the influence of drugs. He had given her quaaludes and alcohol. Um, so here you have, you know, Tarantino sticking up for this man who, you know, drugged and got lit with a 13-year-old and then slept with her. Um, so, and Stern says, would you ever seduce a 13-year-old with pills and booze? And he says, no, no, again, you're killing me with the pills and booze thing. Um, and then Robin Quiver, Quivers shoots back uh, and said Polanski could have avoided trouble by staying away from 13-year-old girls. And Tarantino says he likes girls. And he's, she says he likes babies. Um, the article says that Tarantino later admitted he beat the hell out of Polanski if he did it to his own 13-year-old daughter. But the situation was not that she was against it. She was down to party with Roman. In my best Tarantino afflection. Um so, Colin, this is my biggest issue with this. 
Of course, what he said is disgusting. A 13-year-old is a child, uh, especially under the influence of alcohol and drugs. Never, ever should Rome Plansky have been in this situation. Never, ever should he have been allowed around this girl in the first place. And he should never have had sex with her. He should be in prison. He should have went to jail, of course. But for Tarantino to be singled out is absolutely mind-boggling. So there are multiple instances where... So Martin Scorsese, uh, Deborah Winger, uh, George Lucas, Harvey Weinstein, uh, Meryl Streep all signed a petition petitioning judges to to throw out Polanski's case and allow him back into Hollywood. Um, Streep was it, it. There's a video and it's been thrown around many times of her giving a standing ovation when he won the 2003 Oscar for Best Picture for or Best Director for Piano. Of her standing up clapping. There's also. Uh, an interview with Streep where she says she feels sorry that Polanski is in jail. Um, that's why I thought he would went to jail. So she maybe she just means like... It, a metaphorical jail. Metaphor, yeah, meta, metaphorical jail. However you really want to slice this, Tarantino, again, sticking up for Polanski is disgusting. But back then, that's what Hollywood was doing. So if we're going to parade him out and beat him over the head with this, why aren't we beating everybody else over the head with this? Well, okay, I so I think that his his connection to current events is why we're talking about this because right. he's connect because the discussion has been revolving around now back to people who are involved with Harvey Weinstein's whole production operation and Quentin Tarantino films specifically, uh, Uma Thurman and uh, Rose McGowan. Uh, so he is he's kind of at the nexus of this where the this movement started he's also notoriously arrogant and hot-headed yeah but i think that look i think i i understand where you're coming from but i don't think at the same time that you can equivocate meryl streep saying she doesn't she wants Saying that she wants, uh, you know, Roman, she feels bad for Roman Polanski, or she, you know, wants him to come back to the U.S. I don't think you can equivocate that with Quentin Tarantino somehow saying that the only problem with Polanski having sex with a 13-year-old is the fact that he plied her with drugs and booze. Uh, I think those are not really... He, I mean, he just, it's like he fundamentally doesn't understand the role that age plays in consent or even the idea of consent based on the way he talks about the, the pills and booze, um, her being intoxicated. And I think a lot of this has to do with people kind of cherry picking, uh, the, and I don't, I don't know her name off the top of my head. Um, oh, the young lady that. Yeah, that he assaulted uh, Samantha Gailey. So, in years since, I know she has kind of spoken out and, you know, asked for the suit to be dropped or for some sort of clemency, and she has made comments that that in that are something along the lines of "I wasn't totally innocent." Yeah. 
Yeah, she, but you're right. At the end of the day, that is, I mean, that that's not irrelevant, but it doesn't change anything. You, it doesn't matter. There, there is no context that could ever make a grown man having sex with a 13 year old person. Okay. There's, it's just, it's not possible for that to be acceptable period. Not possible for them to consent period. And there's a reason our legal legal system is set up the way it is. And there is, there are hundreds, hundreds of years of case law establishing why minors are not able to act in the same capacity that adults are. And I, I don't know. It's just like Quentin Tarantino is a fucking idiot, but this is really, this is really just it. I, I almost wonder if it's him being shocking just for the sake of being an, an edgelord asshole. Cause I just, but maybe it's not, maybe he just legitimately doesn't, maybe he's just victim blaming. I, I don't, I don't fucking know. It, it just I, like, I mean, how, how can you like? How can you say this? How can how can people? Uh, never mind. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. I I just I so I want I want to go back because I I don't want to sound like I'm I'm saying that Tarantino and uh, what Tarantino said is equal to anything that any of these other people have said Scorsese or Streep or Winger, but I just I just I think it should be noted that. Before the Weinstein scandal happened, if you asked any of those in 2003, I don't think they would have much different of an opinion. So none of them spoke out this – it's almost a, it's almost like he they, he didn't know how to hold his tongue and didn't know when to back down kind of thing. He just kept like, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing. Uh, and they kept pushing back on it and he kept doubling down on it. Um, I don't think anyone else of those people that I would have listed would have, would have done that. <clears throat> With the exception of maybe Harvey Weinstein, who, who by the way, took out a full page spread, and uh, and I think it was the, uh, it was an op ed, <clears throat> um, de- declaring the innocence of Roman Polanski or that we should absolve him of his rights. And like I said, he had a petition signed by these people to, to basically free Roman Polanski. Um, I just I I don't. I think Roman Polanski is a brilliant filmmaker. I think Woody Allen is very talented. Neither of these people should be praised or held on a pedestal any by any means. I these two are the two most egregious outside of Weinstein that I've come across and I don't the, the my biggest problem is it's not fair. It's not fair to hold Tarantino, and I don't want it to sound like I'm sticking up for Tarantino because I think what he's getting what he, his just desserts for what he said, but I just I I don't think it's fair to hold something that happened 12 years ago, that, something that he said against him, and and not look at the rest of this group. Well, I, so I I understand what you're saying, and I, th- <laughs> but I I still I think if you asked Meryl Streep, and again I'm gonna put words in somebody's mouth. Uh, I don't know this, but my my feeling on the matter has always been when people stick up for Polanski, what they're saying isn't that what he did is okay, which is what Quentin Tarantino said. Yeah, in right. a certain in in a sense, they're saying that he has done his time. He's paid he's paid for his transgressions, right. 
and it's time to move on. Uh, and I, I think those are, you know, I think that is, I, <laughs> I have problems. I have problems with that too, but I, I think that is, is fundamentally different than what Tarantino, I mean, than what Tarantino said. Uh, but maybe it's not, maybe, maybe that's not what they're saying. Maybe I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because they should also know better. Um, but, and again, I, and also I, I'm not saying I agree with them. I, <laughs> I don't, I, I just, I don't know what, you know, uh, like what kind of person is able to, uh, we're going to get so far in left fucking field, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can be rehabilitated from uh, like yeah, a paraphilic disorder, right. from pedophilia. I don't know if that's a thing. Like, can you ever not be, can you ever not be a pedophile? Right. Uh, or is that even worth talking about? Like, can you ever be redeemed after you coerce yeah. or force a child to have sex with you? And just, um, but this, uh, I, this is interesting because this is a conversation we've had a lot, even before uh, meet the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein yeah. broke, um, about separating artists and creators from their art and uh it's it's a it's a very subjective thing and it it's so different depending on who you're talking about and who you're talking to uh but yeah i, I just uh i don't it's i don't know people are people are very willing to forgive Woody Allen and forgive Roman Polanski, or maybe not forgive. They're willing to look past what they've done. Right. And I think, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but I, I feel like you point out or you've pointed out before that you don't see other artists or other filmmakers or actors getting that same treatment. It's, yeah. it's only like only because these, they are considered geniuses that people right. are willing to overlook the horrific things they've done. And that, I don't, you know, I don't like I, I had a hard time watching Mel Gibson's films for a while. Mm -hmm. And luckily, he there hasn't he hasn't done a whole lot that I have to kind of yeah. reconcile that with. But, uh, you know, what he, what he did is I is despicable. And it, it is not even in the same universe as what Roman Polanski did uh, or what Harvey Weinstein has done. So it. It's an interesting conversation, and it's a conversation worth having. And, uh, but what the like, what the fuck, Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, yeah. Has he responded to the Jezebel bring this stuff up? He has not. He has not mentioned it since then, and he's kind of went, he's kind of went quiet. And I, I mean, honestly, I, the way his mouth works, I think that that was probably the best. I'm guessing his publicist was like, "You just shut up. Let us get in front of this." And then you can put out a statement because everybody knows Tarantino likes to run his mouth and he likes to talk. So I feel like the older he gets, the more swollen his head gets. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm ready to move on. I just I want this to be corrected. I just here's the thing is if it's not sex truce, if it's not sexual abuse, if it's not assault or if it's not uh, something harmful, um this is the kind of stuff that uh, I don't 
trudging up this kind of audio, I'm not sure what it does other than to cause a, a story. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is not something that was like hidden away somewhere. This was on the Howard Stern radio. Millions of people heard this. Why wasn't this an issue at that time? Because um, it should have been. Well, to be fair, be probably because it was on the Howard Stern probably. show. Probably. You're probably right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, also, Quentin Tarantino, who the fuck give? who cares what you think rape is? Yeah. You know, since when yeah. are you a, uh, a criminologist? That. Like, <laughs> guys, hey, everybody, gather around. Quentin Tarantino is uh, is rewriting f- federal rape statutes. It turns out unless you throw her down on the bed and forcibly penetrate her, it's no longer rape. Come on, guys. This, come on, you, you know, this is rape, guys. This is what it is. Uh, come on. Come, come on. Come on. How? This is rape. You know, she wanted to party. She wanted to get down. That's, I just, I, you're, ugh. that's yeah, I, can, I didn't even hear the audio, audio, but I'm assuming that's what he sounded like. Yeah. Um. All right, you want to read some emails? Let's let's do. Yeah, I like emails. Cheer me up, make me feel better. Colin, did you know that if you email the podcast, that we'll read it no matter what it says. But Brian, how do I send an electronic message to the podcast? That's easy. Midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. What's what was that address? One more time. Midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. Fantastic. Uh, so we we got a we got two emails. Um, one gonna save for our illustrious review whoa because uh it's kind of about the movie and that's from our buddy drew mascarelli uh i have a text message from rob bob that i wanted to read because i thought it was hilarious okay uh, which i'm not sure why he didn't just email it in um uh and then i right now i'm gonna read an email from our uh, will will Moore. so will says midnighters i watched the recent skyscraper trailer and oh boy do you think the rock said rampage was a lot of fun uh, a lot of fun. Can I fight a building next? Love will. Did you happen to see this trailer? No. Okay, so this is this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pause the show and let you watch the trailer and we'll be right back. Okay. Alright, Colin just finished watching the trailer for Skyscraper and It's isn't that magical? Like we we say a word and then all of a sudden my brain has absorbed the knowledge just immediately. <laughs> uh what? Wait, what were so did Will just wanted to know what we thought? Is that uh, the, uh, <laughs> The, it's a short email. I'll he's excited again. for uh, it. What's the context? I don't. I, he's. <laughs> he doesn't know how to feel. He said, "I watched. I, <laughs> I watched the recent skyscraper trailer, and oh boy, do you think The Rock said Rampage was a lot of fun? Can I fight a building next? Love will, because he's of course has the Rampage movie coming out yeah. based on the video game Rampage, <laughs> with uh, just almost boundless source material there to." Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh yeah i mean so it's uh it's diehard diehard 21 whatever i don't know diehard 20 25 or something yeah diehard in a skyscraper right. yeah yeah man uh, yeah i don't know i mean look if anybody if anybody's gonna take a building one-on-one it's the rock so if any human is right um, yeah yeah the most generic title too, skyscraper. It's a not a good title. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> not, not, it's it's a little a little on the nose maybe, but uh. 
And it really looks like Die Hard. Like the plot looks a lot like with it doesn't, and it's taking itself pretty seriously too. I don't that trailer. There's a lot of like my family, my family, but whatever. Eh, we'll probably watch it and review it. Um, so Rob Bob, <laughs> things are about to get really weird now. Are you ready? Yeah. So Rob Bob sent me a text message <laughs> with an excerpt from a Vice article. Uh oh. And says, please watch and review this movie. And he's told us to watch a lot of things. And I part of me is like, I feel like we should because we owe it to him. But the movie is called Love and Saucers. Losing your virginity is supposed to be memorable. Most people look back on the, the act with affection and probably a little embarrassment. But David Huggins says the first time he had sex was more out of this world than most. Quote, when I was 17, I lost my virginity to a female extraterrestrial, the 74-year-old says in a documentary about him called Love and Saucers. That's all I can say about it. The coitus in question allegedly went down in 1961 when Huggins was a teenager living with his parents in rural Georgia. I mean, look, I've met a lot of teenagers in rural Georgia would love to be abducted and fucked by aliens. I mean, I'm sure that would be a... (laughs) A great change of pace to the uh, doldrums of daily life. Uh, <laughs> Love and saucers. Love and saucers. Have we? Is this? Is this a real thing? Is it out? I mean, it's. I didn't. I didn't IMDb certify it, but I mean, it's a Vice article. They're, they're pretty. They're pretty on it. Yeah. Uh, let's. I mean, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's. Uh... Love and saucers, 2017. The story. Yep. This is a definite real movie. <laughs> you say that, but uh, there's not a ton of information about it. Although it, there is a release date, 67 minutes, September 12th of last year, December 12th of last year. Well, you can watch it on Prime, so maybe this will be our next review, Colin. <laughs> just, just it won't, real. but maybe it will be. <laughs> There's no chance, but who knows? Um, really, I think you should all just go on IMDb and look at all the related art. Yes. Because yes, it's, uh... you should. Oh, by the way, he draws art of his of his sexual experience. <laughs> it's a ama- oh, that's a <laughs> it's a ama- oh yeah, man, that is good. That is- <laughs> there is one in particular with his uh, he's a. <laughs> Is being a yeah. Go ahead, just say it. I mean, what are you back for? He's mounted and <laughs> being key locked by an in, an invisible ghost. I don't. I don't uh, know. Yeah, your arms don't bend that way normally. Yeah, but when you're having sex uh, beyond the physical realm, I can't. I can't remember. Hey, any any BJJ players? Any uh. Got any uh, grapplers out there listening to the podcast? I I feel like so from from a half mount a kimura, it has it the the rotation is like pushes your arm behind you, uh, and then but I can't remember is it's I feel like it's not a kimura if like if it goes above like I think that's rot- a key lock. Yeah, well I feel but the, the key lock is not is not what it would be called in. BJJ, uh, I don't know. There, there, I feel like there's another name for it. It's been so long, I can't remember. Uh, t- 
Tell me, uh, tell me the <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> if you figure four somebody's arm the other direction, uh, the it's like the L is pointing up as opposed to pointing down. And I know Kamara is pointing down. Dude, Where, did we? Did it's we? Called, do it's called ran- the humping alien, apparently. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the, oh man. Okay. Yeah. That's so. I think that's the, it for the leaky saucer. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, send us an e- send us an email. Tell us about <laughs> more insane documentaries that, if I had a million years, I would. I mean, if I had more than a million years, I'd definitely watch it. But uh, I just it's probably pretty low on my list somewhere. Could be excellent. You don't know. It, I mean, it'd it, be really good. I guarantee it's excellent in a <laughs> in at least an ironic way, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, hey, watch! Hey, guys, go go watch Love and Saucers. <laughs> Write in, and we will feature your review as a special midnight film review uh, uh, correspondent. Be our our, our cryptozoologist, <laughs> extraterrestrial film correspondent. Love and Saucers midnight film review at gmail.com. We'll be right back with a spoiler-free review of some Cloverfield movie. And we're back with spoiler-free review of uh, uh, shit. I was gonna make a joke, but I can't. I can't think of another like. What, what's a found footage monster movie? There has to be another one similar to Cloverfield. I can't. Uh, oof. I'm sure there is, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Man. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say Clo- two thousand and Cloverfield Odyssey. Boom. <laughs> there you go. I thought you were gonna say Cloverfield uh, Shitbox or something like that. A paradox shitbox. Well, yeah, we're just we're just attaching it to. To be fair, I don't think there's ever been an anthology movie series like this before. So no, this break, is... breaking some fresh ground. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yes. To, to be fair, well, do you want to start by doing our little uh, our little synopsis, or do you want to go to uh, Drew's email? No, I think you. Sh- I think you should uh, read the synopsis. Okay. So. I guess it would help if I was prepared to read the synopsis. Oh, man, that's a red number. Cloverfield Paradox. uh, It was... So a couple months ago, maybe, I know I read it. I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast, but somebody on Reddit pointed out that, like, the Cloverfield movie was, like, less than two months away from... Uh, its original release date, oh, right. and there had been absolutely zero word on what was happening. Correct. Uh, yeah. At least as far as us general um, general idiots over here in the Midwest are concerned. Uh, and then, lo and behold, during the superb owl, uh, <laughs> America's number one foosball family tournament event, there was a trailer for a movie. That was going to be immediately available on Netflix, and it was Cloverfield, and there was much rejoicing. Uh, <laughs> there was much rejoicing, That's and true. there was much rejoicing. So this is the third movie in the Clover- Cloverfield anthology. It's not. I mean, I just would say universe. I don't yeah, really know, but it's not. They're not even in the same universe, right? That's not technically true. Well, the same universe, but 
Dude, it's, si- maybe, yeah. first of all, there's a rabbit hole that we could go down that's endless. And- the, the, if we're using the term universe as it applies to related films, then yes. But JJ has oh. a distinct vision okay. that he said may where he envisions two characters that I'm not going to mention because it's kind of spoilers meeting in a possible fifth movie. Well, I could give a shit about a, a fifth movie. Oh, yeah, because we have another Cloverfield movie coming out in about three months. Well, gosh, what are you talking about? Cl- Cloverfield Overlord. <laughs> Clover, Clover Floored? Cloverfield Overlord. We'll look it up uh, after you read the synopsis. Oh, God have mercy. Read this um, email. Okay, so anyway, uh, it came out after the Super Bowl, available on Netflix, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Cloverfield Paradox, orbiting a planet on the brink of war. Scientists test their device to solve an energy crisis and end up face-to-face with a dark alternate reality. Dark. Yes. So dark. So this this film, as I joked earlier, was there was a working title uh, or maybe a, a script title, uh, Coverfield the God Particle, which turns out is pretty on the nose. But it was written <laughs> written by Oren Uziel, directed by Julius Ona. Ona, Ona, uh, who has directed such films that I have not seen as The Girl is in Trouble. And that is it. A lot of shorts. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So this was this was a big step up for him. Well, what an what an opportunity to say that. Yeah, sure. Um, Honestly, the the most impressive part about this film is the cast at least on paper gorgeous cast uh, beautiful i don't is it juju i did you're you're asking me to mbatha raw gugu or juju mbatha uh david oyelowo 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 <laughs> daniel Bruhl, john ortiz chris o'dowd what a askel henny ziz ziz zang um I have not seen her in anything in a long time. What a surprising cast. I just, this, when you look at this cast, I was like, that's one reason why I got super excited. I'm like, oh, there's Daniel Brühl. Oh, there's Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd? Are you serious? Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth DeBecky and Roger Davies are really kind of, but I was most excited to see Zi Zhang. Uh, and, uh, yeah, David Oleo and I mean whatever. There, there's this this cast is is great. It's yeah, great no, cast. I mean no, I just haven't seen her anything in a while. There, it really is a it's a very solid cast. Chris O'Dowd, uh, you know, is more known for his comic performances, uh, and Elizabeth Debicki. I just the only thing I recognize her from is well, she was in The Man from uncle for a second but also yeah. the, la- the most recent guardians film oh yeah yep um yeah so do you want to do the email next you yeah wanna... so so drew gave us his his review um of this movie um he says insert creative way of addressing brian and colin here um <laughs> i'm i'm a really big fan of the cloverfield series i think the first one I, th- I think the first is one of, if not the best, found footage movies ever made. 
10 Cloverfield Lane was one of my favorites of 2016 and is the the film that got me into your podcast. Because of this, I'd be I'd been excited to see this installment since before the title had even been announced. But despite my af- affection for the franchise, this movie is an absolute train wreck. So much so, in fact, that it made me question why I actually like the Cloverfield series so much. The main issue I see with both 10 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox is that the screenplays were clearly written before they became Cloverfield movies. And the dichotomy between what is part of the original screenplay and what is meant to be in the films and what is meant to tie the films into the Cloververse is painfully obvious. Take 10 Cloverfield Lane, for example. Not much is known about the actual plot of the original script titled The Cellar, but the last 10 minutes of the film feel like they were... They were there just to tie into the convoluted wider narrative. Seeing as I have no idea whether you guys are reviewing Cloverfield Paradox this week, surprise, we are. I won't get into specifics, but it has. this has a similar issue. Unlike 10, Field, 10 Cloverfield Lane, however, the entire movie is shit as opposed to the last 10 minutes. <laughs> if you haven't seen this film, good. If you have, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. As you both know, my self-destructive tendencies lead me to make terrible mistakes that are immensely harmful to my overall mental health. Because of this, I am going to see Fifty Shades Freed at some point over the next week and send in my thoughts on it. My own worst nightmare, Drew Mascherelli. Oh, no. Oh, man. Uh, So, I guess, I I mean, I'll just start. Look, no, no, hold on. We have to address the elephant in the room. (laughs) Drew, don't do it. It's not worth it. If you're doing it for Valentine's Day... Godspeed, and we will we will <laughs> out of solidarity and respect for your sacrifice. We will re- read whatever you send us proudly with a tear glistening in our cheeks. If there's anything I've learned about Drew since uh, he's been writing in the show, is he is a glutton for punishment. So <laughs> he loves it. Um, yeah. So, man, I, I'm I felt a lot like Drew. Ten Cloverfield Lane was a surprise to me. How much I, I really enjoyed that film. Um, the ending, I think uh, we both had issues with, and yeah. maybe more you had more than I did, but it's definitely a glaring issue and such a taut, greatly acted, greatly directed film. Um, <clears throat> this, on the other hand, is none of those things. Yeah. And uh, the so the movie starts, and I, I like the way that it kind of starts. It kind of gets you into the feel of the movie. Uh, okay, it's... There's, it's it's setting it up, whatever, uh, and then all of a sudden stuff just starts happening, and the pace of this movie is horrible. It moves at lightning speed. The moment the credits stop, it just it it's full force into a world that you don't care about, with characters you don't care about, with really bad direction, a silly plot, and. There are things that happen in this movie just because it seems like it would be a cool thing to happen. Not to mention a villain that I'm not even sure is considered a villain. It's 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 really frustrating. Um, there are bits of humor in here that I like. There are some there were some good ideas. There were some interesting uh, places to take this, and it didn't explore any of those ideas. Even I mean, they it barely scratched the surface. Um, it was almost like if you and I were coming up with movie ideas and we came up with a title of a movie, what a, a good movie title would be. The, 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 there is this movie. I, I feel bad for the director 
because I feel like uh, he saw this as a huge opportunity to jump into f- making a film in a Cloververse, as Drew put it. And it's just a mess. Maybe this guy is a good director. Maybe we don't know. Um, this is a shit brick house of a movie. I mean, I just... I, I could never recommend this unless you were like the biggest diehard Cloverfield fan and you are going to watch all the Cloverfield movies or you're some weird fan of bad space movies. But I just Cloverfield is essentially a marketing device now. And that's what we've seen. Yeah. So when you, when you said the, the first, you said like the first few minutes kind of set the, the tone for like what, what you should expect of the movie. All I could think about was, the dialogue was that because immediately it's just awful, awful dialogue <laughs> in these awful, awful scenes with just so much exposition that I didn't, I was like, I couldn't believe it was starting <laughs> off so poorly. The, yeah. the first five scenes of the film are just dog shit. They're just bad. It's, it's ham-fisted. It's, it's filmmaking that is clearly trying so hard, and I don't even know why. I know. Like, I, know. I don't it, know why. You don't have to set up anything that they set up in, in the way they set it up you, because there's no payoff for any of it. Uh, this film was actually written before 10 Cloverfield Lane was written. Uh, wow. And so you're talking about... <sighs> <laughs> the writing i feel like this film was we we came up with a conceit right we came up with a a a device that predicated the events of the film and then they're like okay here's what here's our conceptual framework just make a list of all the shit that could happen to the characters right, yeah, in this yeah, film right. that is so true and without editing it they just Took them in that order, wrote it in into the film, like put it, it wrote it into scenes with the characters and just shot it. Uh, this it's it's a weird movie. The, the yeah, tone is very all weird. over the place. The cinematography is all over the place. The performances are c- competent, but the character there's no there are no characters the the audience doesn't care about the characters the the characters don't care about the other characters uh there's humor that feels like it was from another film yeah yeah uh, yeah i can definitely with, agree with that uh the, there are there are two interesting or well done scenes i think in this entire movie and the rest of it was just kind of, it was bad. And, but more than that, it was disappointing because I think there is, there's an interesting idea here. Uh, and it, it just, it didn't have to end up, <laughs> end up like this. Uh, it's, there's the, I don't know if it's the director or the screenwriter, but I just, I feel like, it I'll just blame both of them. <laughs> Whoever is responsible for this film, everyone responsible for this film has no understanding of pacing or tension. And this film 
Cloverfield Paradox makes feints, makes forays into being a horror film uh, or a thriller at some points. And it's, it's not possible if you structure your movie like this, where shit is just happening yeah. constantly with no time for it. Not, not, the characters don't even have time to process it. No. They just run from one thing to the other. It happens so quick. Any, any, any uh, plot point that happens, immediately you are, you're on to the next thing immediately. Like I, I can think of two instances where something happens and it's immediately forgotten or moved away from onto something else. There, it, yeah, and it's like they're so busy trying to fit more things yeah. <laughs> there's something that happens early on and it's just the i the like life did a better job than this movie did yeah. of character writing and is building tension and that movie wasn't good that yeah. was a bad movie right. this is worse this movie is objectively worse also i just the lighting <laughs> the cinematography made me want to just roll my eyes <laughs> out of my head onto the floor and down the hallway. It's so, it's so the lighting is so unnecessarily ostentatious and I, like, I, I feel like edgy or I, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's like somebody saw a Kubrick film or yeah. something. Somebody saw something and they were like, man, I'm gonna put my own take on that. It, it and feels it's gonna be awful. It feels very film schooly to me. It feels like. Uh, have you ever seen some of those uh, those film festivals that are strictly for high school students, and they'll sit in shorts? And you you ever seen those? No. You can watch them on YouTube. Uh, that th- this is how every one of those shorts are lit almost. It's like, like you meant, like you said, like, uh, why, why, why are there five different colors of light yeah. and where are they coming from? What is happening? Yeah. 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 yeah right. Uh, oh, by the way, you're in space. So yeah, yeah whatever. What, you know, one thing that was surprising about this film is how good the special effects were in a lot of the scenes. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, I thought that, I mean, that's uh, out of everything, the, the effects were a plus. I mean. If you could, if you could give uh, anything in this movie higher than a D, it'd be the special effects. You're, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, God, this movie is so bad. You want to just go to spoilers yeah, so we can start hacking it uh, up? Hey, this movie has a 36 meta score. It's not good. That seems high. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, no. That honestly, that's about right, right where it belongs. This. Yeah, let's just. I mean, don't watch it. Like, don't waste your time. Whatever. Or if you're curious, we warned you. Who gives a shit? It's free because it's on Netflix. Yeah. They spent $50 million. We'll be right back with spoilers for 10 Cloverfield Lane Paradox God Particle in Space number nine. Okay. What? Honey. Wow. Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it every oh, wow. time. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? And we're back with spoilers. Uh, not that there could be spoilers if you watch the first act of the film. Which characters in <laughs> exposition? Not not characters. I, I don't even know what to call them. There's a, there's a fucking newscast that the astronauts are watching that just oh. is like, look, there has to be context for everything that's gonna. 
I don't even like I don't even know how to respond to this. If you if you told me that <laughs> multi scientists working on multiverse theory had realized that something we were doing was putting us at risk for collapsing you know whatever field separated space the multiverses in space time i don't know and that the result of that would be monsters <laughs> i just why what why uh I, the the worst part about this is uh so if you've seen the first cloverfield or even the second one um like there's there's really def- those are really defined monsters or quote unquote um even the last 10 minutes of or the last you know part of of 10 cloverfield lane we kind of know what she's looking at we kind of know what she's up against it's totally different than the first one but we kind of know what's going on this one there's just shit happening Shit's coming alive. Shit's doing stuff. Arms are getting chopped off for no reason. Like there's just just stuff is happening and you don't know why. When the doc the doctor is looking at his arm, <laughs> yeah. it looks like a <laughs> biology lab cross section. Yeah, and he says completely unironically, it looks, looks like, like he was- you was born with born with it that way. No, it doesn't. No, I just I looked around for, for the people that weren't sitting next to me. <laughs> To, to share in the absurdity of that moment. Uh, and unfortunately, I was all alone. It's so but... stupid. It's so stupid. I'm like, no, it actually, that doesn't look like he was born with it. It looks like he got his <laughs> across. <laughs> Who wrote that and then uh, shot it and then let it through editing and post and the rough cut and the final coup? Like, how? Why? Speak up. Speak up, people. And how about they never, they, they never addressed that at all. Again, like n- the ship came alive. Oh, they do address it. it they just say there's there are no rules. Uh, Stop yeah, asking questions. Stop asking questions. Fuck you. I, and it's like the, so the water filling up in the room. Just that was just again one of those things where it's like we want to we want this to happen. We want her to get frozen to a block of ice and shot into space. It made no sense. Like just. Oh my god! If if you wanted to do some psychological horror type thing, then just do it. Just do it. I I I don't understand why they try to play around with this faux villain. Where what's her name? I can't remember her name. Who who cares? Uh, where she is like she's the villain, and like that whole plot line doesn't make any sense at all. Like. What is she trying to do? What What is her end goal? She's trying to... She's going to steal the spaceship and bring it back to her planet, her Earth. Because her, in, in her reality, the, the Cloverfield spacecraft is totally destroyed. And... She says they're not going to be able to rebuild it in time to save humanity from itself. So there, yeah. Or how about the fact that, what is it? So if we achieve the reaction, but we don't stabilize it, then we just break the mechanics of the universe. <laughs> but if we do state, like, what, the, the their solution when, <laughs> so 
the, this entire time I'm watching the film and I'm like, they're like, we just have to do it again. The, the, I think the, the, the line of dialogue is do it again. everything we know about, based on what we know about multiverse theory, if we do it again, it'll fix everything. And it's not quite that, but it's very, very similar. Very similar, yeah. No, that's... And that, that, all right, that is just effort, zero effort writing right there. But the, the idea that the characters are interested in not only doing it a second time to unbreak existence as we know it, but then they're going to do it again. <laughs> and somehow that, like, it's going to work now? I was like, wh- why? What? What the fuck are you talking? What? Why? Why? I, I I don't have an answer for it. I don't have an answer for why. Oh. Wow. I just, I don't. I'm okay, just... so here's, look. Beginning of the movie, hey, let, let me start. I, I just want to kind of walk through my, my <laughs> experience here. Beginning okay. of the movie, I'm like, this is bad. This The writing is really bad. They're, they're setting up this situation and I don't care and they're not going to make it work. And then we got on the spaceship and I was a little more on board and we got to the failed test and this, the scene where they break reality. I actually enjoyed that scene. I thought that was well shot. There was some interesting things that mm-hmm. happened with the effects. That's kind of where I was like, that's what I was saying. It's like, I was with like, the sound oh. design the, in that one scene, the only scene yeah. in the entire film where the, the sound sound design is effective and uncomfortable. And they find, they find the crew member on the wall. And I was on board there. And if you, if you had just dialed it back, slowed the pace, and then built the film around just the staples of genre films like this. Distrust among the crew members. Yeah. Uh, not knowing who is telling the truth. If there's a saboteur. Not knowing the role this outsider plays. Whether you can trust her. Uh, and just having to feel feel their way around the situation Um Make like make a make a psychological horror film. Make make it driven that way, but instead it's just wacky goofball shit. They save her <laughs> and then they just leave her in a room and just stuff happens. And that is how that is literally the rest of the film. It, the, stuff happens. Y- yeah, that, that, the end. And so you you quickly start out with this guy going in creating a 3d gun three yeah 3d printing a gun and and obviously you see him lock it up and the, it just that the whole check 3d printing Chekhov's gun yeah <laughs> uh if only his character had been like, named Chekhov. oh man but then then you have then you have that whole scene where they're they're, they're fighting over the gun and and he he shoots uh daniel Brule's character and then or no sorry he 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 tries to shoot daniel Bull's character and uh then he explodes with worms and nobody is phased and no, no they just start killing the worms yep and then we're on to something else then we're immediately yeah. there's no like what the fuck is going on how did this happen like this like 
do we have worms in us? Like, there's nothing. There's no questioning what's happening. Uh, it's just the next thing has to happen. I was totally out after that. Like, honestly, like that moment, well, yeah. I was like, this movie has no idea where it's going. It doesn't know what it wants to do. And uh, the other thing that drove me nuts is having the guy on the ground with the little girl. It's completely pointless. There is no need for that to even be in the movie. It adds nothing to the movie. Zero. Uh, in fact, I don't understand why it's in the movie. Like, there is nothing uh, other than to because he – I did no, even – no. All that is – all that does is that – I guarantee that was written in there to make it feel like a Cloverfield movie. I, I absolutely believe you because they mentioned that certain elements were rewritten for the Cloverfield tie-in. It, look, at the end of the day, the this – this isn't a good I, like. This isn't a good script. I I don't I don't care what what the writer says. Not a good script. Yeah. the 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 bigger problem going forward is that if if you look at Ten Cloverfield Lane, they took they took a genre film that could have been very well done on its own. Yeah. But adding adding Cloverfield to it gave the film another layer of complexity and that I think it was, you know, I, I understand if you, you know, if you had, didn't feel the same way or if you had objections to that, but it's, it kind of left, it, it was in the, the first time sort of that weird meta inclusion of something else. Right. I feel like added to, questions surrounding my your my viewing of the film right yeah yeah there is no way that i can see for cloverfield to enhance a, a script about people on a spaceship blowing a hole in in the universe uh, blowing a hole in space time um, cl- collapsing two two multiverse two universes into one another uh, I don't understand why. How I I just I don't think I don't think the film could benefit from being a Cloverfield film in this case, and that is a bad precedent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, no, I agree. It's purely thrown on there to get people to see it uh, out of a marketing standpoint. It's like, oh, you have to see the next Cloverfield movie, um, and really, like, if you if you wanted to say, like, let's just pretend that this was a little better movie. Let's just pretend this was life. Because there was rumors that Life was actually uh, a Cloverfield movie when it last year when it was that would have made more sense than this film did. Yeah, yeah, um, and so you know, all of a sudden, uh, the scientists in, in space cause this thing to happen on Earth, and yeah, it sucks. They realize they've done this, um, and you have this moment where she's entering space and you see that giant being. If that's the only thing that connected to the Cloverfield, fine. That's whatever. It doesn't – I mean, like, you, the only thing that it has bearing on this universe is that, well, this is the moment that it created this Cloververse. So my issue going forward is the next movie, Cloverfield Overlord, or it's just called Overlord now, but everybody knows it's a Cloverfield movie, is set in World War II. 
and they're basically they're by the the soldiers are battling giant kaiju um in during world war ii um and i that's fine whatever that uh, sure cloverfield in 1940s europe but recently jj abrams has said um that he is toying with the idea that hamilton uh juju marathra is that how you say her name? Um, Hamilton from from uh, Paradox, mm-hmm. and Michelle Mary Elizabeth Winston's character from Embathara. Embathara, yeah. uh, and Mary Elizabeth Winston, uh, character Michelle is going to meet Hamilton from this, uh, possibly in a in another film, where they are going to cross each other's paths and possibly help defeat or bring it into the Cloverfield universe. Uh, what? I mean, I just... I don't know. I've always thought J.J. Abrams was massively overrated and yeah. did not... I mean, he's not a... He's he's a good filmmaker, but he's also kind of a, a pop filmmaker. I don't understand how he... Like, why he's... Why he has the respect he does. <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I mean, here's the thing, Colin, is he's a, he's an idea guy. I think if that's any, like he has like these nuggets of ideas where like, he's like <laughs> nuggets is the right word. Like, you know what I mean? Like he comes up with an idea, like, like Cloverfield lane. Okay. Or, or Cloverfield. That's a great idea. It's just a lot of times his execution is not there. I don't think he's necessarily a talented director. I think he is a creative man who isn't good at writing and isn't particularly a great director, uh, because if I look at a lot of his properties, if you look at J.J. Abrams prop, J.J. like Super Eight, Super Eight should have been a, a, a knockout, um, and I, I like that movie a lot. But the ending is has some serious issues. Um, Lost, I mean, I know that wasn't just him, but there's some huge problems with Lost. Um, uh, anything that he's put his hands on has been a ha- half good, half bad thing. So, and this is just another example, in my opinion. I just, I don't. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who made the worst Mission Impossible film. <laughs> yeah. Right. The Star Trek reboot, which was meh. Star Trek Into Darkness, which I thought was better, but not everybody thought was better. Yeah. And Super 8, which I've never seen. And then fucking Star Wars. And every now everybody acts like he's just <laughs> like one of the hot, the hottest people working. And yeah. I agree that he has good name recognition, but I just I I don't understand why he how he made it to where he's made it. Yeah, I don't know, and I think I think we should also mention that the talent that was involved in Cloverfield Lane. So Damien Chazelle wrote that script, and then Dan Trachtenberg directed it. So I mean that we we should. J.J. Abrams a producer on these movies, so that should be... I mean, that's really the only thing that he can hang his hat on with these. I mean, he chose... He read Damien Chazelle's script, and, you know, Damien was going to direct it, and instead they were like, oh, we want to make La La Land, so he was like... Or Whiplash, and he was like, okay, well, I... This is... I don't want to... You can take my script, do what you want with it. You know, I, I just... I don't... 
yeah. I'm not the, I'm not a huge JJ guy. I, I've never been. I thought he was monumentously, monumentous, how do, how do you say it? Monumentally, monumentally overrated. There we go. Good. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, yeah, because I don't fucking get it at all. Uh, right. Any final thoughts, though, about this garbage fire, this dumpster fire of a movie? No. no. I mean, <laughs> the moment that she punches uh, Hamilton in the face and was like, sorry, but sorry about this, Hamilton, boom. I was just like, what are we doing? What? Like, what? What are we see, you doing? You didn't see how evil she was when <laughs> that little smile in the corner of her mouth? I was like, man. Why did it take so long to get her get here? It's <laughs> right. like they they literally she appears and then they're like, okay, we got about fifteen minutes left. Let's bring her back in. Yeah. And here's all the parts you expected <laughs> to happen a long time ago, and that's a wrap, folks. Uh, I would, you know, I was on board for like a uh, a her to be, you know, like. I, I don't know, some supernatural entity like just yeah. trying to murder everybody or whatever. Just her being evil but duplicitous and, you know, th- with with an om- omniscient uh, audience who sees what she is but the crew member, you know, just yeah. like well, you, don't, you don't have to reinvent, reinvent the wheel here. And by the way, you didn't. And also your wheel <laughs> is... Falling apart. It's falling. It's a flat it's, tire. Yeah. Uh, so good job. I, I did, and I, and I mean this, hundred percent. I don't know that I will see a worse movie this year. Oh, Brian. I, I don't S- know. Sweet, innocent Brian. I, I just, I look at this movie and I, and I, there, it. I'm disgusted by the very thought of this movie, like, the wasting of a cast, the marketing that was so brilliant is wasted on a just a shithole movie and well look you know actually i so i will say that this is a bad movie but it's not unentertaining really i just was i was so bored with this movie it's it's i mean it's like it's so fast paced i don't know I, like i think of dude i think of uh like fucking brawling 90 cell block 99 that's a little bit of a slog or <laughs> the uh God, I can't even. Um, Prome- the Prometheus, re- what was the oh sequel? Alien Covenant? Covenant, like those were both worse than this was. Yeah, for I mean, me, I, it's not even a question. Those were both worse experiences. Well, de- bronze, yes, bronze. Subblock Ninety Nine was definitely, but like, see, this this movie reminds me a lot of The Circle, where it's you have these big name actors, you have these these ideas that are on the surface interesting and you just don't execute. But uh, this movie at the same time, I the only, maybe it's only saving grace is it doesn't take itself super seriously. Um, you might be. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I did laugh only saving times. grace. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, why, why is there humor in this <laughs> yeah. film now? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Chris O'Dowd was a saving grace because of honestly. Chris, because Chris O'Dowd is in it. Yeah. And you just, you might as well get some get, you, get your money's you, worth. You cast David Oyelio, you know the the guy who played Martin Luther King Jr. And you gave him act. You were like, hey, what's the the like the least amount of charisma we can put on a character? Yeah. Okay, I, I like what you're doing, but I need it more generic, <laughs> and I want the audience to identify with it less. Too much personality. <laughs> yeah. I need you to be blander, and we're good. Uh, Complete with the 
meaningless heroic sacrifice. Which he I, he didn't have to kill himself. Like that was never a question. It was never like, how are you going to get back? He he had to make up something in dialogue to say somebody's got to be here when they're like it. Just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. I'm sorry that we saw this movie, and I'm sorry that it's. I don't know why, dude. It, it, this is my fault. This is a, like unequivocally, I'm responsible for this abomination. <laughs> This week, uh, instead of Los Hostiles, well, I wanted to stay in and try and save some time, and it uh, did not work out. Well, we can still see Los Hostiles this this week because there's not a whole lot coming out. Um, I'm I'm being forced to see the fifteen to seven, fifteen seventeen to Paris uh, because uh, taking my grandpa to see it, so he really wants to see it. So I'm yeah, I'm going to see that movie, which um, doesn't uh, really have a thermometer score out right now. Yeah, well. So, wish me luck on that one. But I mean, if you, I don't, I don't want to make you see that movie, of course. I think we'll, uh, it, you know, if we commit to something now, we'll just, yeah, it'll just be great. a lie. And <laughs> how could we live with ourselves <laughs> if we lied to you, sweet audience? Yeah, right. All right, mm-hmm. so let's uh let's wrap this shit show up. Yeah. God, really? Overlord, really? Yeah. Man. Cloverfield Overlord. Hey, at, the only good thing about Overlord is well, maybe not a good thing. We so it's uh Wyatt Russell is yeah. as IMDb top billing, whatever that actually means right. as far as the film cuz we've seen like yeah, actors who are in a film for like two seconds show up first on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, but uh, or it could end up being another David Oyelowo. I'm gonna figure out how to say his name, and then I'm gonna say it a Oyelowo? lot. Oyelowo. Oyelowo. This usually I'm not bad too, but I I just I'm. You know who also like I'm fucking everything up today. You know who's also in Overlord? Um, I saw when I don't actually. Bokeem Woodbine, underrated actor. Do you know who Bokeem Woodbine is? Not by name. Uh, okay, let me find a one of his known characters, um, and you're you're gonna be like, oh, that dude, he's in everything. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, he's he, you're one of your favorite games, Payday. He's the voice of Simmons, and in Payday Two, he's the voice of Elephant. I don't know who those uh, those are not like playable characters. So okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh man i'm trying to uh black dynamite he's black hand jack oh i, I know who this actor is um, yeah he's he's literally been in, in everything he's really underrated i think yeah he's he's a supporting supporting actor in a lot of action films I yeah feel like. yeah yeah he's that yeah he's that guy that has a couple i think one of my favorite performances is uh uh three thousand miles to graceland he plays uh, a character in that franklin um He's in a lot of Wu-Tang Clan videos. Um, yeah. Can't get right in life with Martin Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, well, if, if Wyatt Russell has half the charisma of his dad, then that would be good. <clears throat> he, uh, he was good and everybody gets some. I liked him a lot in that. Oh, I haven't seen that. All right. Let's uh, let's put the show on the road. I, I got to take a leak and uh, it's getting late here so uh we will catch you on the flip side okay bye